Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies, exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not, so you can learn, grow, and succeed. If you want to learn more about your hosts, make sure to listen to episode one. So you ladies know I've been kind of geeking out about AI. And oh, obviously- here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The world is finally catching on, right? Yes. Okay, okay. Chat, chat, GPT. Have you dabbled into it, played with it at all? I'm just curious. I did the imaging stuff, but I, I haven't done the the text generation stuff yet. Mm. I did. I I dabbled just before the holidays. And I was like addicted for at least three hours because I was wow. shocked at how much information I was getting. And then I took a break. And just recently, since I've been back, I uh, started again just to kind of see what it knows. And it knows a lot. I mean, it's quite shocking how much information it can bring back to you. So yes, dabbled, I would say a little bit more than dabbled at this point. Yeah. it's uh, Aaron, are you, what's stopping you? Ah, oh, I well, I'll, mostly it was my experience with the image generation was that it was like it wasn't free after a while. I just didn't want to sign up for yet another thing. I feel like it's inevitable that I'll do it. I'm not resisting, but I'm like, and I hear that they're constantly updating the intelligence. So I'm like, why not wait till it's like better? I don't know. Well, it's going to be a forever evolution, <laughs> right? You know, always, right. It's always going to be better. Yeah. Um, and 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 I I feel like we're right at this like I'm gonna use the hockey stick analogy of like there's been slow adoption and now there's gonna be like mega adoption and we're just like right at that pivot point. So yeah, if yeah. you're not not in it, you better get in it. Get in get it. familiar, especially in your your spot in your world right now. Like uh, it's wanna, coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So it was like seven thirty in the morning uh, two days ago that I was on, and it told me that there was a high volume of traffic, and to be patient with potential response times. And I didn't think it was slow at all. But um, just the fact that it even had that messaging that there were a lot of people there right now, I just found that very interesting as well yeah all right yeah i'll get off my soapbox now. oh no we could we <laughs> i i'm afraid of jumping in too hard because then they could take us totally off track and i don't want to do that because we have guests today and they're amazing of course yes. and i'm just so excited to have this conversation today with us we have kathy and shannon the authors of this get this title it's amazing you guys Steel toes and stilettos. Is that just the best title I love for a book I love that you it. have ever heard? Um, yeah. So Kathy and Shannon share in, in their book, they share the finer points of a comprehensive change process, the challenges, the triumphs, and the real emotion involved during the quest for success um, in their endeavors. In the book, they each describe the professional journey from their unique perspective and the highlights of an endearing friendship. I love it. That was formed along the way. That is awesome. 
The story will inspire female leaders, everybody that's listening. I bet you fellas could get some out of this too. In any organization, showcasing an example of high-performing women thriving in an intense and fast-paced world. Kathy and Shannon are role models for those juggling intense, fulfilling careers alongside life's complexities. Hey, we all know about this, right? such as dual career marriages and raising children. So excited to have you guys here today to dive in, to learn about your experience. And I just want to point out that lean manufacturing tends to be one of your really focused areas. So um, we'll be diving into that a little bit today. And uh, just welcome. Do you guys want to want to say hi to everybody? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yeah. We're so excited to be here. Oh, we're so glad to have you. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. Okay, let's get down to business here. Kathy, this is not on the list of questions, and I'm going to jump this at you, but I have to ask. (laughs) You have a master's degree in something that's called applied positive psychology, which sounds super cool, but like, what is it? What is that? Oh, yeah, it's so amazing. It's the science of human flourishing. Oh, here we are already <laughs> amazed. Yeah. And yes. so that's a science and you've studied it. It's true. Yes. Um, decades ago, Marty Seligman, who's known as the father of positive psychology and a very renowned global psychologist, decided that if we could use psychology to take people who have um, issues, right? Issues with their brain and get them to neutral. Why Mm -hmm. couldn't we study what could take people to neutral from neutral to flourishing? Wow. Or if you're already in flourishing, more flourishing. So started this whole branch of science and, you know, there's decades of research about it now and all the things that you can do to really help yourself and others flourish along the way. So he was, he actually um, was one of my professors and he just turned 80 this year. Oh, yeah. So it was really exciting program. I just loved it so much. Well, that is, that's, that's great. That's inspiring. I I have a feeling that, that your openness to those concepts has really inspired a lot of the work that you and Shannon did together. So why don't you guys tell us, why did you decide to write Steel Toes and Stilettos? Go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, well, there was a a few reasons. Um, After we had both decided to leave our corporate jobs, we were spending some nice quality time together and, and reminiscing on how the three years we spent together, what, what made it magical? What made it successful? How did we do what we did? Because after that, we had gone on to different roles, mm-hmm. taken the same tools, the same concepts mm-hmm. and had success in varying degrees. And so we kept just reminiscing and reflecting on why did it work so well when we were together? Mm-hmm. And we started to just really think about the people portion of it and how we engaged everybody and how you know we are who we are and we're a little crazy and fun sometimes. (laughs) Awesome. Um, but, but we're also, you know, serious business people at the same time. And, and so we thought, man, maybe we have a really great story to share. And and on top of the excellent business results we got, I mean, your results speak for them themselves all the time. And we let our results be our calling card. And so we just said, you know what, we want to get this out into the world. And 
it is a true story and it does have the nitty gritty of life that goes along with it. And there's a lot of lean books out there that are very prescriptive. This is what you should do. And we just wanted to tell what we did do Mm -hmm. and how we did it. Not as much from a technical standpoint, but more of a storytelling standpoint. And then, as you mentioned, Aaron, you know, we, we thought we had a, a very special connection that we created and we wanted to show how women empowering women does exist and that it can generate some amazing accomplishments when we uplift each other. So can we peel this onion a little bit further about how is steel toes and stilettos different from other lean books out there? So it's written like a story and it's a true story and it comes from both of our perspectives Mm -hmm. about the same events. So I was a general manager, you know, running the P&L. Shannon was the transformation leader. So we had sometimes vastly different perspectives and opinions on how we should go. And we present both of those. So, you know, it's a business book that reads like a novel as well. And you get both perspectives. So it's like reading two books in one from a leadership standpoint and um, technical leadership standpoint. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I I can see how valuable that would be, not just for women, but for everyone to to see the different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I just love that you talked about the human side of it, how your people and in a transformation, it is really the people that are doing the work of any type of transformation. Um, and I can imagine the the women of empowering women just uh, elevates that to, to a different level for you as two women who got the results that you did through this transformation. I, you know, I'm curious when you, um, if you were giving advice to other companies who also wanted to go through a lean transformation, what advice would you give them? Well, first of all, they'd have to have a solid vision and leaderships who really believed in it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got a leader who's halfway in, it just doesn't work because there's so many challenges along the way. And it's so different from how traditional manufacturing has run, you know, Mm -hmm. when you run in batches and those sorts of things. So you've got to have a leader who believes in a solid vision, a a lot of structured implementation planning, Uh, you know, how are we going to put the tools in place, but also be very deliberate about how you bring everyone into it, when you bring them into it, what tools that you give them, providing, you know, an atmosphere where they can all feel psychologically safe to contribute, because chances are there are a number of people in the business who haven't been asked to contribute, right? They've only been asked to use their hands. And so you're unlocking their hearts and their minds at the same time, and they're not used to that. So there's different skill sets associated in that. Leadership has to be visible and on the floor and asking questions and supporting the team and really be passionate about where you're going. And, you know, when things don't go well, you just got to treat them as lessons learned. Mm-hmm. And when they do go well, you need to celebrate success mm. and recognize the people who contributed. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I'm a big fan of getting the team's insight and perspective because then they have more buy-in to the change that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, they, okay. and that's one of the keys to sustainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People help support the things that they create. 
Absolutely. Right. And you know, you're really changing the culture when you have the people who are using their hands and and owning the process coming to you with ideas on how to improve it. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's when it starts to get really exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because the three of us, Aaron, Lori, and I, we have been kind of on a digital transformation side with many of the customers that we work with. So you on the lean transformation side, any type of transformation can really benefits from two of the things I heard you say, having a leader with a vision at the top who's involved and present with the people, and then use the word deliberate or being very intentional about how you engage with the people when you bring them in. I love that. You know, we were just at a discovery session where the president of the company sat there the whole time, was really involved in asking his team the questions as well and interested in understanding how it works. I think that's so wonderful. What do you do or what advice would you give when there is absent that vision from the top? Because sometimes um, these companies do decide to go through a little bit of a transformation or some type of change. It might not be that transformational. I know some people get overwhelmed sometimes by that word, but when you don't have the leadership or that vision at the top, what type of recommendations would you give to a team that still needs to execute through a change? Well, I think that it's much more difficult if they're trying to change things that aren't supported by the leader, but everybody's in the business of continuous improvement, really. And so I think it's important, no matter what you call it, a lean transformation, a digital transformation, you know, problem solving, whatever it is that you're being tasked to do and and paid for, come to it from a point of data and, you know, do your homework. This is current state. If we do this, this is the predicted future state. And it's really hard to argue with someone who's done their analysis and their homework. Mm-hmm. Where anything do you, you want? I was going to say anything yeah. you want to add, Shannon? Yeah, I think that you, even if you don't have that top leadership support, you still have a sphere of influence that you're working with, whether it's just your, you know, maybe it's your peer group, maybe it's people who report to you or a team that you're on. And as team members, you can still, you can still come up with great ideas. You can still drive continuous improvement. You know, like you said, it may not be a full transformation, but every change counts. Every problem you solve counts. And the more people that are doing that, whether it's huge or just in smaller buckets, everything like that makes a difference. And so you can still make changes regardless of what level in the organization you have and what level of organization support you have. Yeah. What, what, what have you observed or, I mean, not to dwell on negative, but in instances, I'm sure you've come across where people are resistant or leaders are resistant, or maybe even, you know, people on the floor are resistant how would you describe that resistance, where it comes from, and how can we as people who, you know, want to drive change, be empathetic to that and communicate around that? What would be well, I the think secret? The, res- the resistance comes from a number of different areas, um, but one is insecurity, right? Because people have been successful in their roles, they've been shipping products, with the methods that they use. So they may be insecure about learning something new. They may be insecure about losing their jobs. And so you have to really provide that stability 
Okay. That, you know, allows people to try new things and it doesn't happen overnight. You have to be very consistent with, with all of that. And sometimes people are unable to make the transition. And, you know, my philosophy was always to, when I was leading an organization was always to give everybody ample time to learn about it and to get on board. But if you had uh, one or two people who were really um, being toxic Mm, in the direction mm -hmm. you have to go, you got to find a new place for them to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't take many, you know what I mean? It's a, you don't have to move too many people where other people, you know, (laughs) get on board. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of, we've always done it this way. And then you come in with the next flavor of the month and, you know, like Kathy always says, like, they're just waiting me out. And I felt like they were waiting me uh, out too. Mm-hmm. You know, every couple of years, especially if you don't have a stable organization, people are constantly cycling, cycling through with these great new ideas. And so, you know, what we were coming with, although it's been around for, you know, decades, um, they'd never heard of it. And so it just, that resistance comes from a lack of understanding and trust as well. And so Kathy and I had to spend a significant amount of time gaining trust and explaining. And like we said, you know, being present and explaining the why. And, you know, I remember somebody looking at me one time and being like, well, how are you going to do that? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) This is what we want to do. I don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but I think that if we all we'll all figure it out. And that's, you know, where that little piece of optimism comes in that we will eventually figure it out together. Yeah. Well, I love that with the why. Um, And then Shannon, you mentioned the current state versus the future state. I took a lean manufacturing course back in Detroit many years ago. It's like 12 years ago, but I remember there being a lot of aha moments for me. What were kind of some of the lessons that you learned when really implementing lean manufacturing? I think one of the biggest ones for me was that um, progress, we use the sentence, progress is not always linear. And um, for those of us who are high achievers or, or always trying to be high achievers, we're expecting the line to constantly be going up and your metrics to constantly be improving. And it requires a significant amount of patience um, at all levels in the organization until things really start to read out fully from a metric standpoint. Um, And there's a lot of, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And and that requires a lot of uh, resilience to come back from. And so I think that was a big lesson learned for me is it's just, it's not always a straight up the hill. Mm-hmm. And I think something that was really surprising to me when I was first starting to learn about lean manufacturing, lean enterprise is that sometimes less is more, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, the salespeople are always like, we need more inventory. We need more inventory. I'm like, mm, we need the right inventory. You know, we need it in the right spots. It doesn't necessarily mean more. And uh, the same was with um, people who weren't being productive, right? I I never advocate doing a lean transformation and letting people go. Never. That's, you know, a no starter for me. But using the people that you free up for growth or to help more with continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. um, But what you find is if you have a lot of people who aren't productive, they're interrupting the people who are. (laughs) You know, you do better sometimes with less fork trucks that are being used as personal industrial vehicles, you know, so all these things where we always want more, more, more to do better. Um, a lot of them are just honestly um, 
moving waste around that the customer doesn't want to pay for. So to me, at first, that was very counterintuitive, but I found it to be true in every single transformation I've been involved with. Less is more. Mm-hmm. Progress is not the right less. Linear. You got to have the right <laughs> oh, less. Yeah, that's right. Progress great. isn't always linear. Yep. Love that. Both of those. I wrote yeah. that down. I got to tell my team that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And celebrate the wins and learn from the failures, right? Uh-huh. Those all, are key. all of those. Uh-huh. Great I think this is a good insights. time to, to switch to what I love is the, I just learned that. So I'm going to throw it at Aaron. Finish this sentence, Aaron. What did you just learn today or recently? <laughs> Oh, I'm really stuck in the headspace of just having taken my daughter to the dentist. And so while I cannot tell you a lot of details about what it takes to be a dentist and do dentistry, I can tell you that I did learn that a kind dentist goes a long ways towards getting things done in a tiny child's mouth. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> yes. And it is not easy for a mom to watch all that going on. So uh, not not a big takeaway. But if, hey, any moms and dads out there, if you got to take your little one to the dentist, just kind of make sure you got a kind one because it makes a big difference. So, Chris, I'm going to pick you next. What <laughs> What did you just learn? Well, I was doing some analysis the other day. And I was looking at the number one sites in the world in 2022. And the number six most traffic, which was like 4.8 billion, was Reddit. And I never use Reddit. So I thought I would ask you guys, all of us here, do you guys do, do you use Reddit frequently? Are you some of those traffic people? And what do you use it for? What should I be using it for? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I have the app on my phone and I, I have a, an account and I get emails with recommended topics and I only go to it if the recommended topic is of something of interest. Other than that, I don't actively go there just to like, I know some people are addicted to certain channels on Reddit and like they live in that space, but um, I know it is, it is a big part of of digital marketing and it can be a strong strategy if used correctly. But okay. I do you curate your content. Sorry. Sorry, Aaron. Oh, go ahead. Do you curate what comes to you when you said that uh you yeah, have yeah, I've, I've identified things um within Reddit that I'm interested in. So okay. and, and and they really pose it as like a topic or a, a, just a, a thread. Like, hmm. oh you might be interested in this. So sometimes I poke around and other times I'm not, not worth my time. <laughs> so it's like manufacturing a topic and digital. Every, everything leads, is a topic. It, it's, it's all over the place. It, it's okay. everything. It get dark and ugly and rainbows and sunshines. It's, it's a wide spectrum of content. There, there right. isn't so a target audience. <laughs> positive psychology. Yeah. And what I learned today, sure. I yes. could probably use Reddit That's a, for that. Sure. So That's okay. a good There's, example. You oh, know how okay. I think of it is like, you know, the comment section of anything can be mm-hmm. like gross or annoying. It's just like, 
but it's like a it's like a comment section that you can really choose like oh these people know what they're talking about they've got mm. something valuable to say and then you can contribute and feel like oh i'm somewhere where people actually care about this subject so it's it's i think of it in in that way so i like okay. it i'm a i'm a fan i think you it's it's um it's there for what you want and not just to show off it's not like the other social medias, which are really kind of, you know, braggy pants. Sure. Opportunity. Yeah. I was surprised number six in the world and I really never used it. So that was interesting. How about you, Lori? Um, okay. Sorry. So I know we, we wrapped up uh, January and a lot of people were participating in dry January and some made some major life changes and some are super happy that it's over. <laughs> um, oh, but, um, <laughs> Come on. Um, no, I, I, this is, you know, me, I always got the data behind it. So, okay. 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 <laughs> let's hear it. Let's Google, hear it. Google was really fascinated by this and they've said that over the fat past five years, search volume for the phrase dry January just continues to increase every single Ooh. year. So mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting. And then you know, Google trends, you know, I love playing with this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just went in and, and typed dry January. And just for the last, um, just this last, you know, month to see like what state in the United States had the highest search volume for oh. the phrase dry January. So I'm just going to each of you take, take one stab at it. What state do you think was the highest state in all, all of our 50 United States, California, New York, Ohio. I I think I know the lowest I bet is Utah. That wasn't my question though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wisconsin. No, Alaska. What? Yeah. What? That's there's not even me. anybody up there. So what's the metric? <laughs> yeah. Uh no, Alaska had the highest search volume for dry January just this past this past year. That oh. I would like to understand more about yeah. that yeah did anybody here do dry january no no <laughs> i i did on the first and the second and then i went out for with friends on the third and i was like <laughs> oh no we're done with that yeah i tried so. <laughs> uh new mexico no, was no. the lowest but I did, I did oh, look up, I did look up recipes. That's why I think it's funny. Cause I was like, oh, let me do something different on January 1st. It was my birthday and we had people over and I made a dry January cocktail and then I, but without alcohol and then, mm -hmm. yeah, but it only lasted till the third. So <laughs> <laughs> New Mexico was the lowest. That's my home yeah. state ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're not <laughs> interested in that foolishness. That's <laughs> not interested. That answers the, yes. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. okay. <laughs> Enough about me and my drinking habit. Those of you who are not on the Zoom with us can't see that I'm sitting in front of my liquor cabinet right here. So. <laughs> uh, Shannon, what did, what did you just learn? Okay. So staying with the kid theme, um, I have learned my son is eight and is in third grade and, um, there is a significant amount of drama that happens at recess with third grade boys. And I did, I had no idea that this was a thing in life. And it is like a coaching 
moment on a daily basis after school. How was school today? Well, there was unfair teams again playing football at recess. The football like, oh. at the <laughs> recess and the unfair teams. I am having uh, the same thing. I have a third grader and it must be like a national phenomenon. <laughs> what is going on with that? It is so. It's very dramatic. Yes. And it's <laughs> all consuming. Yes. We got, we're going to get offline and do this. We're not going to put everybody else through this because I need to know more. How is it that? Yes, it's the same thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Kathy. So my husband and I have this thing that we do every year. We call it power hours, right? And we set a goal for how many power hours we're going to do. And power hours are where you set your clock for 60 minutes and you do some major cleaning, sorting, whatever in the house that's beyond Mm your, you know, day-to-day thing. And so I just learned in our last power hour, I came across in a bag of cards. I don't know how this got in there. My kindergarten report card. And what it said was, you know, Kathy's able to cut all her shapes and everything. The kids like her, she's doing well, except when it's time to switch from work to playtime, I can't get her to stop working. So (laughs) I have just learned that this productivity addiction that I have had of working millions of hours um, since, you know, for years started in kindergarten <laughs> and what I'm trying to learn now is how stillness helps me you know savor and appreciate life's experiences a little bit more and the power of that so yeah. oh that's, that's what so I'm it's trying really to not your fault on. no What's it's just name? you it's yeah. just <laughs> yeah you just are productive you can't that help it. is so cute. I just love that. Yes. I think that that's so great when you, I mean, you don't always want things to be predetermined by, you know, what was going on in your childhood, but sometimes you find out things you're like, I guess this is, this is me. This is real. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of fun. So I'm now trying to learn something else in Kathy 2.0 phase of life, you know, and that's to give myself a little bit of grace to experience some stillness. Awesome. Well, I just want to make a quick comment because I would be sad if I didn't do this. The partnership that you two describe with each other, that is so powerful. And I, I'm so delighted to hear that you were able to do that in a work environment and to grow that experience into something bigger for both of you. But I also imagine that seeing your camaraderie, your trust in one another must have been so impactful for the people that you worked with. And I, um, I met somebody recently who also had an experience like that with a a working partner. And I just think that's good karma. And you guys, thank you for sharing it with us today. And thank you for sharing with the people that you helped, you know, do something really hard and something new. And that relationship that you two have together, that's just a gift for, for all of us. So I'm glad that you shared that with us today. Thank you. Well, thank Excellent. you. We definitely cherish it ourselves. We do. That's great. That's Wonderful. Great. Right. Well, All right. Tell us how to find you. What do we do? We're looking for you on the internet, probably Reddit. You go to our website. <laughs> we are at opsisters.com and that's OP sisters. And you can also find us on LinkedIn and we are at opsisters on LinkedIn as well. Wonderful. Awesome. Everybody connect. 
We'll include all that info in the show notes without a doubt. Thank you, Lori. Cool. All right. Well, this was a phenomenal conversation. We went pretty broad on the topics without a doubt. <laughs> broad. <laughs> and, and and even, you know, pre-show was really extremely broad, but we're not, we're, we didn't hit the really cord button. Hit, <laughs> my goodness. Um, well, uh, thank you so much. As, as Aaron said, um, fantastic having you guys on the show. Um, and thank you to our listeners. We love hearing from you. All right. This wraps it up. And until next time. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcasts.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.